Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. You all right there? Yeah. <laughs> right off the bat, there it is. Well, we try to get it out the way early. Well, at least we did that. Of course, brought to you as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Like, your microphone may need some healing and renewal. <laughs> We're trying to keep it healthy, man. I guess. But if it has a problem, and it did because I dropped it, it should really pick up the phone and call Green Law. They probably should. <laughs> but see, now we have to redo the intro because the moment we've been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen, it's arrived. It's here. It's the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 260, asking that simply you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, and you already are. I mean, what a, what a fun little intro that was. <laughs> a little different than normal, but we do have some things to get into as we have entered the month of July. Cowboys training camp now just about three weeks away from getting it all going again for the 2022 season. So we'll get into some of that. We've got college football bonanza. I mean, the landscape of college football as we know it is never going to be the same. Massive changes, massive changes on the way. Some stories from around the block, a lot to discuss, but as we were joking about it, it is true. You, you never know. I mean, maybe if, if the microphone had feelings and, and could potentially had a case, Maybe the microphone could have called him and like, look, Jacques, I was just doing my job. Jacques came around, just dropped me out of the blue. You know, Greening Law, can you guys help me? And then Greening Law, Robert Greening, the green team, would tell the microphone, you know what? Well, you do have a case. You weren't doing anything wrong. You know what? You can make a case that your microphone has been injured on the premises of a business. <laughs> yeah, and that the mic should have picked up the phone and called 972-934-8900. Ask for the green team because a phone call, just like for us, wouldn't cost the mic anything. <laughs> it's true, it wouldn't. It would be totally free for the mic. But it's totally free for all of you. I mean, if you've been in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice, whatever the case may be, I mean, seriously, if you believe that you may have a case, a lot of the times, and you know when you do, it's really it's something that's not your fault and it puts you in a bind and you need help, that's where the green team comes in. They take care of everything so that you can focus on what? On getting better, on healing, and having that renewal in your life. They handle all the legal stuff for you. That's what they do. It's nah, easy. And they're, nah, it's, it's what they do. It's what they've been doing for quite a while now. And it's why you should pick up the phone and give them a call. They grind for you. They work for you. And it's always good to have somebody walk you through a complicated process like this can be, especially when you're going up against somebody else's uh, insurance team. Well, the green team can help you. And like I said, give them a call. 
It's easy. 972-934-8900. Consultations are free. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, call him now, offices, Dallas, Texas. So hopefully everybody had a great 4th of July holiday weekend. Back at it with new episodes now for the next few weeks rolling on into Cowboys training camp. And this is that time of the year where everybody starts trying to jockey for positioning. It's kind of wild, man, because my fantasy football draft is coming up one month from today. Like, we're doing it early this year, which, I mean... We that's, are doing it at this year. We're in Austin. We'll be doing it in Austin. And most of the people are going to be listening to this on July 6th. My fantasy football draft is Saturday, August 6th in Austin. So I'm looking forward to that, but... It's funny because, like, this is the time of the year where everybody starts looking forward to 2022. Like, what's coming up? How are things going to whirl out? What are teams going to look like? And part of it seems like it's way too early, but then part of it seems like it can't get here soon enough. I mean, we're literally two months away from the season opener in football. I mean, we're it's here, here, bro. It, it's here. And so you start looking at that, and ESPN has been doing this, man, for like the last three, four years maybe. And I think it's kind of interesting. So they started rolling out their top 10 list by position. So they are doing this. They started it today, and they surveyed more than 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to stack up the top 10 players at 11 different positions from edge rusher to interior offensive linemen. And they started today with edge rusher. And it's interesting because I think you look at this and my first thought when I saw this was, oh, this will be interesting because one, do the Cowboys have anybody in the top 10 and are they considering (laughs) Micah Parsons an edge rusher? Dude, I had the exact same thoughts. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess they're not considering him an edge rusher because he didn't make the top 10 and he did not make honorable mention. So there are five guys in honorable mention. There are 10 that they listed. And just so everybody knows, I mean, number one, I think it's pretty obvious who the number one guy was going to be. And, and number one was T.J. Watt. I, I don't think that that's a surprise to anybody. Everybody across the league would probably agree that T.J. Watt, who was absolutely dominant last year and tied the single-season record for sacks in a season with 22-and-a-half, the unanimous right. AP Defensive Player of the Year, he's the best. Right now, he is hands down the best edge rusher in football. I don't think there's any doubt about that, man. And he could have been one of member of your Dallas Cowboys, but hey. He could have know. been, but hey, you know what? Taco Charlton <laughs> for the defense, you know, if you can draft players, they'll learn the scheme and they'll fit. You'd hate to draft a guy who's really talented and ask him to play in a scheme that he just isn't any good at. I mean, I, hey, I'd rather have bro. the guy who's not as talented but definitely can play in that scheme. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I'm going to say this because that's, that's a fair cheap shot to take. The game, even in the last five years or however long since Taco Charlton was drafted, has kind of evolved. And now, and some guys, maybe some teams have progressed anyway, but we saw with a guy like uh, Dan Quinn, if you've got an innovative, creative defense coordinator, J. Ron Kirst comes to mind, you figure out a way to take dudes and, uh, and maximize their talent. You can see a vision for a guy uh, who doesn't quite fit Right, um, right. You know, right. the standard, you know, that uh, for a position where there's height, weight, speed, whatever. That would be and the obviously hope. Obviously, we ain't had that here. Yeah. At that particular time. You, you did not see that. And, and so it is what it is. And can we say this, man? TJ White wouldn't have done shit with Rod Marinelli as his 
defensive coordinator. Yeah, and I think that that's, to me, that's the one argument that I'll actually buy. I mean, it's easy to sit here and say, oh, we should have gone with T.J. Watt. I, I, I can actually buy that had the Cowboys drafted T.J. Watt, he would not be what he is in Pittsburgh. Now, he may still be really talented, and he might have worked his ass off and done some really good things. I don't know that he'd be performing at the level that he's able to do when he's in, in Pittsburgh. No, I, I wouldn't think so. So the rest of the top 10, you got Miles Garrett, who is number two on this list and, and makes sense to me. Obviously, I mean, we can all kind of throw out the names. Nick and Joey Bosa, the Bosa brothers are three and four. Max Crosby, who last year wasn't even listed in the top 10, this year is fifth on the list at 24 years old. I mean, that dude just got paid in the offseason and is... I mean, he's one of those guys, Max Crosby, that, and I don't know where he came from, but it's like out of the blue, <laughs> that dude just showed up, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, Max Crosby, like, he is dominant. Dude, um, Max Crosby, I, f- I forget where he came from. At one point, I knew where he came from. Well, he's because he, he's a local Dallas guy. Like, he played at Colleyville High School football. And That's he was a – yeah, man. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick. He wasn't any – I mean, he went to Eastern Michigan. He wasn't like some dude that anybody had any expectations from other than just a normal fourth-round pick. And then, lo and behold, you look at what he's done when he arrived for the Raiders, and you're like, okay, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> it happens like that sometimes, man. I wonder – we need to find out what his deal is. Like, how do you what, – what's his deal? I don't know, man, but it, it's – it's really kind of interesting because he's one of those and I mean, this happens from time to time, but you're talking about a dude who just explodes onto the scene as a rookie has 10 sacks, then he went to seven, then he had eight, and is already, in two of his three years, is, has made the, all, the AP All-Pro team twice, although one of those, to be fair, was a second team, but still. I mean, it's for a fourth-round pick. Like, they just opened the gate, and he's like, here I am. All right. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's their version of uh, Dak Prescott. In a sense, it is. It is defensively, yeah. yeah. And, and and he yeah, got and a quarterback, but yeah, yeah, he got paid in the off season. You know, they gave him that big ass extension and all that. And, and I don't know. I mean, the one thing about Max Crosby is he's Max with two X's. It's M A X X, which is odd, but I don't know. I mean, he signed. He's got like a twenty five, twenty four million dollar per year extension that he signed. You know, he had a thing with alcohol and stuff like that, and, and maybe that had something to do with it that kind of right. pushed him down a little bit. But, man, just kind of wild. Wow, so, four-year, $95 million with 53 guaranteed. Yeah, yeah he got paid, <laughs> man. So what I think is interesting is, so those are the top five, and I don't know that anybody would have any problem with any of those five names. Number six, at 33 years old, is Von Miller who apparently the Cowboys could have had a shot at if they had felt like paying anybody this offseason. He instead goes to the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. But you look at this, and I mean, we I, I get it. You know, I don't know that the Cowboys, and I don't know that it's smart to do what the Bills did, but they're all in. I mean, keep in right. mind, he's 33 years old, and they signed him to a six-year, $120 million deal. But really, it's one of those kind of Zeke-level contracts where after three years and $52 million, they're going to walk away from it. Well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's uh, the the money on that thing was outrageous, man. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I didn't expect the Cowboys to get into that kind of uh, money conversation for a guy like Von Miller. Um, Von Miller, at this point, to me, is pretty much uh, like a, a postseason player. 
<laughs> yeah, it like seems you, like it, yeah. Like you're kind of getting him for what he gives you in the postseason. Although he did have nine and a half sacks last year. But if you look at the bigger picture, you know, he basically had double-digit sacks the first, you know, eight, yeah. nine years of his career, uh, aside from one year where he got hurt. Uh, so if you look at the last two years, okay, he's been at under 10 each of the last two years. Now he's getting older. Um, but if you ask me, he went to a good spot because they're a good defense. They're going to play from ahead, and he should have some opportunities at one-on-one and to, to do damage in the best uh, possible situations for him. So we keep going down the list. So Vaughn Miller is six. Chandler Jones, who's 32, is seventh. He signed with the Raiders. I mean, you got, you got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby bringing it now. Brian Burns, who some people may not know, but he's been in the league. He was a first-round pick by the Panthers in 2019 out of Florida State. Back-to-back nine-sack seasons. Khalil Mack is number nine on this list. And rounding us out in the top ten is Cameron Jordan of the New Orleans Saints, who's 32 years old. So, yeah, you did not hear. And, and again, I, I have to believe that Micah Parsons is, is being listed as a linebacker, and that's we'll wait and see. But one name you did not hear as one of the top 10 edge rushers in the NFL, is none other. Actually, there's two names. One, Randy Gregory, who... (laughs) I forgot about him. The Cowboys (laughs) really, really wanted to put a ton of money into and who ended up going and signing with Denver for a big contract. The other one is the guy that they were able to renegotiate with and restructure his contract, and that's Tank Lawrence. Now, to be fair, Tank is listed in the honorable mentions on this, he is listed as what I guess would be 15th. And they say right. about him, his sack production has stalled only 14 and a half sacks since 2019. He missed much of last season due to injury. But one NFL defensive coach says, I watched him closely because we thought he might be a potential cap cut. They use him all over the place. He's kind of like Clowney was in Houston, all over, super dynamic. If he stays healthy, there's a ton of production left. Joker plays super hard, king on the chessboard is what they say about DeMarcus Lawrence. Now, he plays incredibly hard, man. Um, you're supposed to because you're getting paid a lot of money. But he, he does it. So, I, I, you know, that's, uh, that's true. And, you know, I'm looking f- – he's as healthy as he's been, no offseason surgery. And they need him to make it happen. This is not like, hey, if you can make it happen, cool. Yeah. No, they need him to make it happen. He's in good shape, and so, man, I'm uh, I'm looking at this year like we should get a pretty good you – know, whatever he's got left, we should see it. You got to see it. You need to see it because who else is it that you're going to see it from? Yeah. Up front. I mean, it, literally, who, who else is it? No, they need him to be a difference maker, and he's got to be a difference maker. And, um, you know, I feel he hadn't done it the last two years, but I will say this. Uh, I, I know what the numbers were last year, but, you know, he missed a lot of time. Yeah, he only played seven but, games. Uh, he was clearly pretty active player last year. Um, he's a good dude with a lot of personal pride. And when you get those guys, man, I expect him to, you know, I expect him to have a good year. And if not, uh, it's going to be some sad singing and slow walking off the field at AT&T on the regular. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things, and we had these conversations back when they were signing him to that contract originally, and of course they've redone it, and the, for those that don't know, the restructuring on that was three years at $40 million. He's going to be on the team this year. He's going to be on the team in 2023 because the dead cap is just outrageous. But after that, I mean, honestly, if they wanted to, 
they can walk away from him after the next two seasons and it would only cost him nine million in dead cap but it'll be interesting to see because of everything that he built and then he got the contract and the injuries hit it 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 didn't work the way that any of us I think wanted it to work and I get it because even guys like John Owning who we used to have on the podcast all the time that are like film nerds you know they talk oh he can play the run he's one of the best run defenders and that's great but you and I both have kind of been on the same page this whole time you don't get paid in the NFL because you can defend the run you get paid because you sack the quarterback and now the yep. n- the number's not what it was for him, but he got paid because he sacked the quarterback, and that is a contract that did not work out in the Cowboys' favor because he did not continue sacking the quarterback. I mean, that's that's as basic and as plain as you can make it. Um, and, you know, I've always said that, man. I mean, you could talk about hits and hurries and whatever, man. Mm-hmm. You get paid to put the quarterback on his butt and uh, and get the sack and get off the field. That's what you get paid for. Um, and if you don't do that, then, um, you know, there's a problem, but that's why he got the big money. That's what they need him to do. And if he's anywhere close to being that guy again, then that would give them legitimate playmakers at what all three levels, defensive line, line, linebackers, secondary. And that's how you can win games when you got playmakers all over the place. See, and I wonder how much they'll have to use Micah and, and put him more on the edge. You know, because you look, and we, we did this the other day when we were going through those 10 reasons the Cowboys season may be a dumpster fire. And you start looking at this, and we've talked about this at receiver. We've talked about this at offensive line. That defensive line, they, there just is no one else on the edge that I think you even consider double teaming. So you know Tank is going to get double teams constantly. He may get right. triple teams. Now, we like Gallimore. When he's healthy, he has shown he can do a little something. Odigizua looked like as a rookie last year that he might have a little of what Gallimore has, and that gives him two big-body dudes in the middle. But your edge, I'm talking just edge guys only. Dorrance Armstrong's probably going to have to start opposite Tank. You got Dante Fowler Jr., who they brought in this offseason, who's going to be coming over. And who knows, maybe he's he's the next Keanu Neal-level guy and, and, and one of those former Atlanta guys that Dan Quinn had success with and knows, and, and he rediscovers something with the Cowboys. And then behind that, you're looking at Sam Williams, the second-round pick out of Ole Miss. I guess Golston, seeing if he, he can improve on really very little of what he showed in as a rookie in 2021. And, right. and that's basically it. I mean, those are, I'm just talking edge guys. If we're going to have Micah Parsons as a linebacker, it's it's that and Tank Lawrence. Yeah. It's, um, you know, the game, man, and I ain't breaking no news here. The game is all about pressure on the quarterback. Doesn't matter how you get it. You want to be like the old school Cowboys, have a great defensive line, rotate guys in and out and get to the quarterback. Fantastic. You want to do double A A gap blitzes like Mike Zimmer brought in and created and attack it that way? Mm-hmm. However you get it done, man, it don't matter. But here's what we know. You have got to consistently pressure the quarterback. And if you don't, you just don't have a whole lot of chance, dog, uh, to be successful. And so um, without Randy Gregory, somebody's got to pick up the slack. Although we keep telling y'all, it's, all, it's, it's facts here. Randy Gregory had six and a half sacks or last year like he ain't hit double digits yet and so um you know there's a little bit of um Jalen Brunson to Randy Gregory 
Okay. Like, you really like him. You really love him. He's okay. really valuable. You could definitely use him. You definitely want him. But he's not like the difference between – he alone is not the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, he, I, I would agree with that. And, and, you know, Dante Fowler Jr., who's still only 27 years old, I mean, I think he'll be 28 by the time the season starts – but you go back to 2019 when he was with the Rams, and remember, he had that really surprising season, had like 12 sacks, whatever it was. But then you look at some of the people that were on that defense with him, and nobody right. was focusing on him. Then he goes to Atlanta the last couple of years, and in the last two seasons had seven and a half combined sacks in Atlanta. But I look at that and I go, okay, if Dante Fowler Jr. in Atlanta, where they've really got nobody, can get you four and a half sacks, Maybe he can replace at least some of the production that a Randy Gregory was giving you. Bro. Um, I think Dorrance Armstrong is pretty good. Yeah, Dorrance uh, has shown some flashes. And he's, he's shown that steady improvement. And now, um, you know, you may get a little bit more. But, again, Randy Gregory's got some dynamic aspects to his game. But as I like to say, we've been waiting for it since 2015, dog, and we still ain't seen it. Yeah, and now you don't have to worry about it. And to your point, I mean, again, Dorrance Armstrong, who only played in 13 games last year, he had five sacks in 13 games. Right. So, I, I mean, to me, I feel like... One less than Randy. Right. And <laughs> I, that's the whole point here. Dorrance Armstrong, and you hear this a lot about guys. I mean, there's a reason why some of these guys are who they are. You know, they're really good rotational guys who, when you use them in the right role, can bring you something. If you overexpose them, then you start to realize, okay, you're not one of the elites. But in the right role, it feels like you can do a lot. Dude, it's all about, man, uh, this much I will agree with when, when Jerry's trying to feed hope to y'all. Um, guys do have an opportunity, man. And all you can really ask for is an opportunity. That's all, I mean, you know, me and Matt have spent quite a bit of time over the years talking about our various careers and how we ended up where we ended up. And for both of us, at a certain point, it's you get an opportunity. Yeah. Doesn't matter how it, doesn't matter how to ride, whether it was great fortune, whether it was somebody else's misfortune, whether it was dumb luck, whether it doesn't matter how to ride. When the opportunity presents itself, can you take advantage of it and, 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 and nail it? And if you do, you just wait for the next great opportunity. And if you don't nail it, well, then you have to hope that another one comes up at some point. Yeah, that's basically where we're at with all of it. And, and so, you know, we'll see again as we kind of make our way towards training camp and we get back into the swing of everything that's going on. You start looking at it and we've said this many times, the Cowboys have a lot of ifs and there's a lot of questions. It feels like going into training camp this year. It's a different. It feels to me like this is a different vibe than going into the season last year. And if it's and we got some of those answers last year, we got some of those answers, but I just felt overall better about where the team was going into the season last year than I do about where they are going into the season this year. It feels like they're yeah, they're thinner. Like I don't, I've got very limited expectations right now. Uh, maybe that'll all change once uh, once they go through the preseason or whatever. But they're going to have to show me that they can win. It ain't for me to believe. I'm you know it just ain't. And so they got to show me that, that they can play at the highest level and that they can win games that matter in January and February, bro. Well, the reality of it is not everybody can be freeway tire shop. Not everybody can bring it all the time, constantly, where no matter what, you know that you're good. 
And that's what Freeway Tire Shop does. And, you know, they've been a big part of the podcast, helping to make this possible ever since we've gotten going. And, I mean, you can speak about it better than anyone because JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop, when you want the best, when you want peace of mind, when you leave your vehicle somewhere, you don't have to worry about what you're getting when you go to Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, you know, the reason I talk so glowingly about JR and Freeway is just that. Like, I don't fix cars, man. I know where the oil goes. I know I change a flat, a couple other things that are rudimentary. I can do a little bit of uh, troubleshooting. And so I rely on other people, man. No different than going to a doctor. I have a pretty good feel for uh, how my body is, but I go to the doctor when I want a real diagnosis. And so the thing about JR is whatever your problem is, whatever you think it is, you just take the car in, man. And you can see him. His mechanics are working, but he'll bend his head over in there. And together they figure out what the problem is because that's the first step, dog, to getting it fixed. Then, and I told y'all this, they use quality parts to get it fixed. That's a big deal. It means your car ain't coming back for the same problem time and time and time again. And you can trust them to do them things. And then, man, you can trust them to charge you a fair price. I mean, when you go in, if somebody says, I need a new engine, then, yeah, you're expecting to drop four or five bands. If you just say, hey, I just need this, in your head you're thinking, oh, it should be a couple hundred. You don't look, and the bill comes back, it's like seven, eight hundred. You're like, what the hell? So, you know, you can expect him and trust him to give you a fair price. And then, man, you can expect him and trust him to stand behind his work. And that's all you can ever ask from any business owner. He does it consistently all the time. And that's why I rock with JR. And if you got a car issue anywhere in DFW, bring your car, 35 in Commonwealth, right through the light. He's on the right. And uh, you'll be glad. I mean, we like to say, thank us later. That's all I'm going to say. Thank there us it later. is. It's easy, man. You can schedule an appointment. Make it easy on yourself. Request a quote. He'll let, he'll let you know. It's, it's Freeway Tire Shop, freewaytireshop.com. So check them out. So let's take this trip around the block because this will be a fun one. Because a big announcement in my world, and I sent you some pictures over the weekend, over the holiday weekend, but my longtime lady friend who I have been with uh, seven and a half years, whatever it's been now, we got engaged over the weekend and well 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 congratulations 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 yay as they say you got to make an honest woman out of her although i don't know what that means <laughs> now as you say you've been together like seven and a half years why is why is now the time i think it was just one of those things where i mean we had talked about it a, a couple of years ago honestly and we always, I, I think, had a, a thing where we knew we were going to be together. We didn't feel like we needed a rush. You know, it, it was just, we, I think, both figured at some point it'll happen. And then my brother got engaged, and we didn't want to take away from him and his now wife. And so that whole process, we wanted them to have their own thing. And, and, and we kind of talked about it after that. Then her sister ended up getting engaged. <laughs> And so, you know, we're like, well, and so then once all that was done and over with and, and we kind of started to really talk about it, man, probably about a year ago, like when we were going to go through this move again, kind of like, OK, well, what do we want in the future and, and how do we want to get there and things like that? And she was like, I, you know, I think I'm ready. I think I want to move in that direction. So I was like, OK. And I think, honestly, I kind of thought that it might happen before the end of last year. And it just certain things in life when you're comfortable with each other and you have that trust and, and you have that closeness with each other, I don't know that you prioritize it. So it had to be something in the last few months that we really put a priority on to say, okay, we're going to go look at rings. 
we're going to go and do this. We're going to make these steps happen because otherwise we're just going to keep talking about it, say that we want right. to do it, and it's never actually going to happen. True that, true that, true And that. so we went through that process. I mean, we started, I don't know, probably, man, three months ago maybe where we really started to get out and look at stuff and, and have conversations about how would it go down and what would we do and all that type of thing. And then as it got closer, I, I kind of put some plans in, in motion and did some things. And so here we are now. I have a lady fiance. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. uh, now you have my blessing. I know that means a lot to you. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, now, what does Maddox think about all of this? Um, I, I haven't talked to him since I asked her, but I had talked to him oh. previously. I had, I mean, yes. obviously, I had a conversation with him in depth about it before it went down, and he seemed, you know, how little kids are. You know, you try okay, to be like, hey, fine. what do you think, and all that. Just want to let you know what's going to happen. And he was like, yeah, it's cool. I was yeah, like, okay. He was like, do you have Lego set? I know. I was like, do you have any <laughs> thoughts? Do you think anything? He was like, no. I was like, okay. Yeah. He was like, you can tell me and all that. He was like, I think it's cool. And I was like, okay, awesome. All right, fine, good. Leave it alone. Yeah. Um, you got a tentative part of the, I mean, I guess it's got to be a summer. Yeah, uh, we're thinking maybe schedule. next spring. And because I don't think she wants to do summer because it's so hot. I mean, right. I know it's been miserable in Dallas, Fort Worth, and it's going to only get worse here. It's been bad here too this year. And so I think, you know, we we're kind of looking like April, May next year to where you can have, the, like, especially, and I don't know. I mean, she doesn't know where she wants to do it, or, or I think she wants to do a destination wedding, but. We'll see exactly yeah, what say, that was, means. Yeah, I was going to see. I was I was going to ask whether it's going to be Dallas or Mississippi or Arkansas or. Yeah, I don't know. It, it may be on the beach somewhere. It may. I, we honestly, I don't think she knows. She's just trying to figure oh. out what she wants. So. Now here's the here's the important question. Uh, okay, now that this part is done, what's your role in the wedding? How active do you want to be? I I don't care. It's whatever she wants. It's like, okay, good. Yeah. No, for real. I mean, it's it's literally like, hey, just tell me what day you've decided and where I go, and I'll be there. And what I what I wear. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think yeah. you know she speaks out loud and bounces ideas off, but at the end of the day, it's going to be how she wants it to be and and the things that she wants to have happen, which is totally fine with me. I don't. I mean, it's right. She wants more involvement from me. I'll get more involved. She wants less. I will. I won't bring it up. It's however she wants to roll. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. But yeah, it was cool, man. I mean, we had a great. It was a really great experience, and it was really neat to see her be as excited and just like on a, a level of joy. It's funny because I was telling her, I was like, I don't think that either one of us realized how much we, we wanted to do this until we 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 had the event happen. And, and I asked you and you've just been I think it's one of those things, you know, you kind of have in your mind that it's going to happen. And then when it finally happens, like to see her joy and stuff. And it's kind of interesting. It's It's been it's been a really cool 48, 72 hour period that we've been going through, which is nice. No, that's, fan, uh, that's fantastic, bro. I guess I get it. Get, better get my suit body ready. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna. Well, maybe, maybe it'll be. Who knows? I, I don't know if we'll be somewhere where you wear a suit. Maybe it'll be on the beach. You don't have to wear a suit. I don't know. Oh, well, then I gotta get my swimsuit body. Ready. <laughs> yeah, you have to do that instead. I don't need much of an excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it was cool. We had some friends that celebrated with us here locally in Birmingham on Sunday, and. You know, I had tied it into a local brewery, like the proposal and all that, so it worked really well. It was cool. Very excited. Yeah, so. You should be. So how'd it go down, man? Oh, well, so uh, there's a brewery here in Birmingham called Trim Tab, 
and they're one. Of, they're probably our favorite brewery locally, and we've gotten to know their head brewer and his wife like really well. Like we hang out with them a lot and have had dinner with them a few times. Like they're just really good people. And so I started talking to him a while back. I was like, hey, would you be willing to brew a beer for us? And I could use it as part of my proposal. And he was like, oh, yeah, dude, we'll do that for sure. Because they always do a small batch beer on Sunday. So her and I go up there all the time on Sundays to try their new small batch. So I didn't think she'd think anything of it. So this past Sunday, she loves sours. So I picked out a sour. It was a raspberry, blueberry, blackberry sour that had a couple of different types of tea that they used in it to brew it and in the name of the beer was seven years later ah i liked it yeah so we had that and then when we got to the brewery the the brewer his name is luke luke and his wife were there and and they have a baby who's about to be one year old and he goes hey we gotta go feed everett did you guys want to come back to the office with us real quick and and we're like yeah sure let's do it and I had gotten some flowers and set up a thing, and, and they have a private event space back there and all that. And he goes, hey, you guys should check out our new private event space. We just finished it. And so then I, we walked back in there, and the flowers were there and everything, and, and that's where I, I dropped to the knee, and I said, what up, girl? You want to do this or not? You know what? I think you really said that. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, that wouldn't have surprised me. Can you imagine, my God? You're not no, really, no. A, you're not really a traditional dude, so that wouldn't have surprised me. No, I mean, I think, I think we both kind of laughed because she started shaking and and she was laughing, and you could tell in her face she's like, "Oh my God, this is happening," and she couldn't believe it, and it made me laugh. And I was like, "Well, seven years later, here we are. What do you say? You know, you want to do this for another fifty years or so?" And I said a few other little things, but yeah, it's exciting. It, it's a very, very exciting time. Long time coming with us, and I think we're both very excited about the future and all that. So it's nice. It's a good time. High fives for everybody as we all tear up. <laughs> Many of you have heard me saying lady friend for forever. And then a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I said something about, you know, like my, oh, and we went to the dentist and we were talking about that. And I referenced her dad as my future wife's dad. And somebody had tweeted at me and was like, oh, did you let something slip? And in a sense, I kind of did let something slip. It kind of was a clue because I knew it was going to happen. Like I knew a couple of weeks ahead of when it was going to go down and all that. So, but there you guys go. So there's that. The other thing that I have for you outside of that big news is, did you see, I thought this was weird. Apparently Subway, the sandwich place, we're all familiar with Subway. They're launching a new menu that it is, it's the most extensive makeover that the company has ever, ever done. They've been around for almost 60 years. And they're doing it now where they're trying to push people instead of going in and you tell them like, uh, yeah, can I do turkey with bell pepper, mustard? Instead, they have 12 sandwiches. Some, they're all new to the menu divided in four categories and they want you to basically pick a sandwich that is already pre-decided now you can still trick it up but they feel like this will help to streamline the menu and make the process quicker because they said that things had gotten really slowed because of all the limitless combinations slowed down the speed of the lines at a lot of their restaurants uh i get that it's hard to retrain people after all these years, bro. I'm telling you, I don't know that I mean, I'm going in there asking for a that's sandwich. That's part of uh, what makes them charming. Yes. I can go in there. I can literally have it. My way, a little heavy on the mustard, not quite much on the mayo, a dab of this, a speck of that. Uh, now, you know, I, I'm, I'm patient with everybody until somebody shows up with five orders. <laughs> yeah, then you got a problem. 
because it's like got to read through each order. Only one person can make it. A lot of the times it's like, oh, okay, well, here, I put the meat on the bread and then you'll have to wait for this guy and he can do all the random different Plus, toppings that you want. Uh, the other thing I like about Subway is your sandwich is fresh. It ain't been sitting there. If they're prepackaged, it could be sitting there. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't think they're prepackaged. It's still fresh. It's just right. that now, in, instead of like trying to stand there and figure out what you want on the sandwich, you go, hey, I will have the big... One of them is like the... It's called the, the Boss, which is the meatball marinara sandwich, but it's called the Boss now. And then they added melted mozzarella cheese on it. So you would just go, oh, I'll do the Boss. And then they can just right. make it with all the ingredients on it instead of you going... Yeah, let me do the meatball, and then, oh, what type of bread do I want? Oh, what are the options? Oh, okay, let me do this. And then what can I add? I, I, I'll be interested to see. I haven't been to Subway in, I don't even remember the last time I went to a Subway sandwich. Now, really? it's not that I don't prefer, I, I like sandwiches. But if I'm going to go for that type of sandwich, I'm going right. to, I would prefer, Jersey Mike's would be my number one. Really? And then Jimmy John's would be my number two. And I, I would go to those two ahead of Subway every time. Now, you know, I think I've been to Jersey Mike's once or twice. I don't think I've ever been to Jimmy John's. Dude, Jimmy John's, they have. And see, I, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I randomly decided, like, I'm not going to say that I cut out all bread because I will still eat bread. But I stopped eating carbs in the morning at breakfast and I, and I stopped eating sandwiches at lunch where I just will take, I'll take like two turkey rolls, which for me is just like a piece of cheese and some turkey and I don't eat the bread at lunch anymore. Right. So when I go to Jimmy John's, I get lettuce wraps. And I actually did this, really? the other, I did this like a week ago where, because you can get what any sandwich Jimmy John's makes, they will put in just a lettuce wrap. So instead of eating all that bread, you can just have it on lettuce and it, it God, it's good. I mean, it is crazy good like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what it is, man, but, you know, sandwich shops, because I love sandwiches. I love them and, and I'm not opposed to bread. It's not, again, I mean, I eat bread on the weekends. I, I don't know what it was. I just got bored and I was like, well, I wonder what happens if I cut out carbs for breakfast. And then I was like, oh, I wonder what happens if I stop eating carbs at lunch. And then I, I'm curious, like, what will the results be? You know, right. so I don't really pay a, as much attention on the weekends. But I don't know. It's kind of interesting because sandwich shops are something that I enjoy. The chain sandwich shops, there's so many of them. You know, Quiznos used to be everywhere. And now you never see a Quiznos, although I know they still exist. Right. There's so many different ones, which, which, in the great outdoors and so many good sandwich shops. Some of them are regional. Like some of them, there's sandwich shops here, one called Mama Goldberg's. Everybody calls it Mama G's. And there's like 10 of them in the Birmingham area. And they don't exist anywhere else. And they're freaking awesome. And part of that is like, what toppings do you offer me? What's the quality of your meat? What kind of, like, are we doing fresh bread? You know, some of these local sandwich shops, there's one here that I love called Amper Sandwich. And it's the only one that exists. They get their bread made daily, like from some local baker here. And so their bread right. gets delivered, and then they get all these cool toppings and stuff that are really fresh and organic. And, I mean, their sandwiches are insane. So I don't know what it is. It, it, you have to be at a certain level for a sandwich, I guess. And Subway, to me, is just not on that level anymore. Well, uh, sometimes uh, when I'm traveling, it becomes the best of bad options or yeah, the yeah. lesser of several evils. Sure. Uh, it's hard to go wrong with a turkey breast sandwich with a bunch of spinach on it and some red onion. And some uh, bell pepper. It's hard to go wrong with that. Uh, the bread you wouldn't like, but if you compare it to the other stuff, you're just like, you know what? I'm going to deal with this bread. 
Yeah, but outside of that, it's it's amazing how I haven't evolved as much as you. But like, I don't really, I don't have a loaf of bread in my house. I'm much more of a, uh, I like tortillas, like burritos. Like yeah, I like that stuff. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I prefer that. But I've, I think I've bought one loaf of bread in the last six months. It's interesting. And that went, that got mildewed, even though I was keeping it in the refrigerator. <laughs> Man. Yeah, like I'm not opposed to bread, like I said. I mean, it was more of a curiosity thing. And I, tell yeah. you, I because I was eating shredded wheat squares every day for breakfast. I tell you, this is exactly what happened. And so, I, I mean, I would eat a bowl of shredded wheat every day for breakfast. And then some of the guys at the radio station thought that was bizarre. Like, how do you, like, you think that's good? And I do. I think it's very delicious. It's they called me one day, Greg McElroy, his show. He calls me and I'm on the air with them. And they're like giving me crap. And Greg goes, dude, like, I mean, I'm just surprised you like to start your day with that amount of carbs. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I went and looked at the box and I was like, oh my God, there's a ton of carbs in this. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop eating this. And so ever since then, I just started eating eggs every morning for breakfast. And, and that's it. I just eat eggs. And then like two weeks ago, I don't even know why, I got curious and I was like, well, I wonder what would happen if I stopped eating bread for lunch. And instead of having two slices of bread, I just ate the, the stuff that I put on the sandwich without the bread. And mainly just curious to see what I notice any fluctuation in like body fat percentage and some of those other things that I track. No, I got you. So it was really just a curiosity. And I have noticed a little bit of a difference. But again, it's only been like two weeks that I started doing that. Oh, is that right? Yeah. See, I thought you'd been doing it longer than that. No, man. I mean, well, the eggs, the eggs I've been doing for, man, probably three months. But the no bread at lunch I started doing like two weeks ago. And I still eat, like, I'll eat carbs at night. Like, I'm not sitting here going, oh, I mean, the, the lady... She has all these different little meal things that she makes that are usually pretty good. And I, I mean, I'm not like anti-carb or something like that. I was just curious. True that. True that. So that's, I mean, but you know, that's the that's rabbit the, hole. Uh, that's the, yeah, I was going to say that's, we spend, you can spend a lot of time talking about that, bro. Dude. So I'll tell you what, <laughs> here's the problem. And this is true. And, and she knows me so well. She was like, oh, I knew as soon as I got this, you're going to get obsessed with it. I was like, it's numbers. It's stats. It, I have to beat the number. So she got this scale a while back. It's called, uh -oh. and I, I might be mispronouncing this, but it, I, I call it RINFO. It's R-E-N-P-H-O. And it right. has an app, and it's a scale that connects to the app on your phone. And supposedly, and I always wonder like how dead on these can be, but right. supposedly this scale through your feet somehow, and it has four sensors that you stand on, Right. And so it, it obviously tracks your weight, obviously. It, and then right. it tracks your body fat, your BMI, your subcutaneous fat, your visceral fat, your fat-free body weight, your body water, your skeletal muscle, your muscle mass, your protein, your bone mass, and gives you a metabolic age. So the first time I got on that scale, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't like this. And then, well, because then it shows you all these numbers, and it shows you the range that you're supposed to be in. And, of course, like body fat percentage, you know, it has essential fat athletes, fitness, acceptable obesity. Those are the ranges. Yeah, and so I bro. was like, well, how much do I have to lose to get back into fitness? I mean, it's like, I'm not like, okay, this is interesting. So I started and I got obsessed with it. And now like I weigh Shocking. myself like once a Shocking. week, you know, I, I like I get up, I'm naked. I get on the scale. I make sure bro. after I peed and I make sure I got rid of all my extra weight. Am I, getting a, <laughs> am I getting a really good rating here on this thing? And then I look and I go, all right, cool. Yeah, that'll work. There we go. There we are again. This is why Matt's my boy. Because 
I'm worse than you, bro. <laughs> I get up, go work out, sit in the sauna. I start every yeah, workout yeah. with 12 minutes in the sauna, work out, come back, pee twice because I've drunk, you know, 32 ounces yep. time before I got up and worked out and all this other stuff. Took a shower, and then I hop on. And if I haven't had my morning dump, then I go do that, and then I hop back on before I eat anything. And that's the truest weight I have. Yeah, man. On a I daily mean, on a daily basis. I I can see it. And again, like I don't even. It's because of that freaking scale. I was like, well, what can I do? How can I challenge these numbers? And then you set a new personal best, and it motivates you. You want to do it even more. <laughs> now, see, I already looked up the scale because I got a good scale. I've got the uh, Aria that hooks up to the Fitbit. Yeah, so you're and, like, and, I don't think that our scale was like crazy expensive or anything, and and I don't dude, know, it's twenty five bucks. Yeah, like I don't know how accurate it actually is. I but she apparently read up some stuff and found this one, and now we yeah. use that, and it tells you all I this like crap. It it's got man. it's got a few more things like the. The visceral fat's a good number to me, um, or something I'd like. Uh, the metabolic age is good because that's something yeah. that Soda talks about all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a, I think that's good because the other, the one I've got just does the, your basic, your BMI, your yeah, body gotcha, fat, yeah. and one other thing. I mean, that's the problem. That's the problem with having like a Fitbit and stuff. And I'm like always, oh, make sure I, I my numbers are where they're normally supposed to be. And then you know, Bro. I look at it, and the thing that drives me nuts is when you're on your heart rate and you scroll to the right and it tells you your cardio fitness. And I'm like, yeah. I always want to make sure I'm on excellent. Yes. <laughs> and it drives me insane yes. if I'm not on excellent. Well, I reside on excellent these days, bro. Yeah, so do I. And, and that's the thing is that, well, I've noticed that because apparently the way it calibrates is like you have to like run or something like that. And I don't always run as much as I used to because of my back and my knee and everything. So sometimes if I notice, like once the score, it fell in because it used to give me a number and it, it gives me a number again. But for a while, it was just showing me a range. And I was like, what? I was right. like, that's not true. So I just went for a run and sure enough, it, it like posted a number. It's like, all right, there we go. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, when you're in tune with your body and your <laughs> fitness level, if you get a bad number on your Fitbit or whatever, your yeah. Garmin or whatever you use, you're like, Nah, that, that that number's not right. That number doesn't feel right because you know you can feel, you know, the type of energy you're exerting if you work out all the time. Um, you know about where it should be, right? And, yeah. You know, I had a couple times last week. I'm like, this seems like low to me for what we did. And so I go back and try to analyze, like, okay, did we not jump rope as much in between, or did we have, you know, sometimes because I work out with two other guys, sometimes. In the middle of a workout, we have to solve all the world's problems over yeah. like two and a, over like two and a half minutes, and so your pace can can slip for that two and a half minutes. Somebody says, "Yo, dog, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go," and then we back we back cranking it back up, but you know that can lower everything for that little period of time. So yeah, man, that's the truth. I, that's that's like when I'm I work such out. Such an egomaniac, dog. I started turning mine off when because uh, we typically end with like a four or five minute ab routine. Yeah. I, I started turning mine off um, before we did the ab routine because when you're doing abs, a lot of times, I mean, most of the time, your heart rate, it isn't anything like when you're lifting or jumping rope in between. And so it lowers that five or six minutes can lower like your average heart rate during the whole workout. And so you don't get a true test of just what it was when you were really exerting yourself. Yeah. Now, that's my ego because I want that high number. 
No, I'm the same way, man. I mean, that's like I'll be in the middle of a workout and I got to hit pause because for whatever reason, like I work out in the garage. So I got the garage door open. If we get an Amazon delivery or something, instead of just going to the front door, they bring it to me. And then I got to pause my headphones. I'm like, what's that? And they're like, oh, did you want me the package here? Should I say? I was like, I mean, you can just put it by the door, man. That's cool. That'd be great if you could just do that. (laughs) But I guess it's a little customer service from Amazon, so I shouldn't complain too much. All right, got a couple other things that we need to get into here. And before we do that, let's tell you, of course, as always, you guys know this. I mean, as hot as it has been in the DFW area. And I know over there, I saw the forecast that I think Delka's tweeted out earlier today on Twitter. And I just thought, my God, now is the time. I'm kind of glad that I'm not living in DFW anymore because you guys are about to experience from now, like today, as we record this on Tuesday, July 5th, the high forecast is not supposed to go below 100 for the next 10 days. Oh, okay. It's my time of the year, baby. It's not supposed to get below 80 (laughs) in the middle of the night. You will not experience a temperature in the 70s for at least the next 10 days. And it's crazy. That's the craziest thing. It is crazy, man, because they talk about this. Like, Delcus has been tracking this, you know, because we all have in our mind, oh, there's always a million and 100-degree days and whatnot. And and it's kind of interesting because apparently this is one of those summers – that Monday in Dallas, it was the 11th 100-degree day of the summer. Right. DFW only averages 20 100-degree days. And you guys are already at 11, and the next 10 are supposed to be 100. So there's a very good chance that you're going to surpass the average number of 100-degree days, and you're going to be sitting on July 14th, and you've got two months more of summer. Bro, typically we sit on the 90s, in the 90s somewhere. So it's, um, yeah, that whole thing about uh, uh, 100 degree days. Yeah, we're about to put that to the test. Very, very hot, man. 100 degree days. You don't see this a lot. I remember summer of 2011 when we had 69 out of 70 days in a row was 100 or over. And and that was insane. I'll never forget. And the one day that it wasn't, it was 99. Otherwise, we would have had 70 straight days of 100 plus. I bring all this up because heat, it'll play havoc with your foundation, man. That soil in Texas is jacked up as it is, and this does not help. That's why you need HFX Foundation Solutions. They're a full-service foundation repair company. They service all of Dallas-Fort Worth. Wherever you are in the DFW area, Aaron and his crew, they're local, they're family-owned. It is a free, no-obligation inspection. So as we go through this crazy heat, as you guys go through, I should say, if you start noticing those cracks, if you start noticing sticking doors, Really, you should just pick up the phone and call HFX Foundation Solutions. It's peace of mind. Have them come out ahead of time. Don't hesitate, okay? Come out there. Have Aaron and his team come out and check it out and give you the peace of mind that Matt's talking about because there's nothing worse in Texas than foundation problems, bro, when you're talking about a a homeowner. And so if you can get ahead of the game, or how about this? Have HFX uh, give your house the once-over, the colonoscopy for the house, as we like to call it, and you come back clean, Hey, this perfect. It's peace of mind. You can relax. Pop some bottles, maybe. And if there is a problem, you find it early. Chances are, which means it'll cost you a fraction of what it'll cost if you find it late. So uh, give Aaron and HFX his team a call and let them give you the peace of mind we all crave in the Texas summer, baby. 817-770-0174. They're online at hfxfoundation.com. Again, free, no obligation inspection. You think you got a problem? Find out. If you do have a problem, catch it early, 
770-0174 online at hfxfoundation.com. Also, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue. I know everybody probably was cooking out and hanging out and having a good time for the 4th of July weekend. Maybe this is the week where you finally sit there and you say, you know what, we're going to go and treat ourselves. I'm not grilling this week. I'm not cooking. We're going to go and let Smokey John's do it for us. Swing by Smokey John's Barbecue right there in Dallas off Mockingbird. That jam session bowl, it's on the menu. You won't see it because it's on the secret menu. But everybody there will know what you're talking about. And man, if you have not had the jam session bowl yet, get there. Make it your July resolution. Like, okay, this is the month we're going to get the jam session bowl. Yeah, go get that, man. You need to. Um, Smokey Johns, I can't say enough good things about them. And it doesn't matter whether you're ordering off the menu, off the secret menu. It doesn't matter whether you order the catfish, the ribs, the wings. It doesn't matter, man. All the food's sensational. It's all made from scratch. It's all made at their facility. It's all great. Uh, Juan and Brent, great dudes. Uh, great restaurant tours. And uh, anytime you stop over there. You just make a plan to say, when am I going again? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I think everybody's going to really enjoy it, man. It, it's local. It's family-owned. They've been great partners with us here on the podcast. So get on over there and support them, that Jam Session Bowl, or anything off the actual menu. I mean, you can't go wrong. And if you don't live in the area, do what I have done. Get the Smoky John's barbecue sauce. Get the Smoky John's rub. You can use it with whatever it is that you have at home. I actually put that on a sandwich the other day. I like their barbecue sauce so much, I, I use it on random things. More than just drinking it out of the bottle. Like, I'll pour it on a chip, or I'll dip a, uh, like, like, like a vegetable in it or something like that. And then the other day, when I did have a sandwich, because it was on the weekend, I was like, you know what? I'm going to treat myself today. And I, I poured a Smokey John's barbecue sauce on the sandwich. <laughs> and it was really good. I don't know. It was really good. Smokey John's, SmokeyJohns.com if you want to order the sauce or the rub. College football, man, this is... I was curious to get your thoughts on this because you are a Big Ten fan. You are an Ohio State guy. The Big Ten along with the SEC, we already knew they were the two most prominent conferences in college football. Well, a week ago, last Thursday, the biggest bombshell that we have had since Texas and Oklahoma a year ago announced that they were joining the SEC and maybe even more stunning because of the fact that these are two teams on the West Coast and the majority of the Big Ten's footprint is nowhere near the West Coast. USC and UCLA announced they are bringing the Los Angeles market and they will be joining the Big Ten in 2024. It is a colossally seismic shift in college football, one that very well could mean the end of the Pac-12, the ACC is scampering, and it could position the Big 12 when this is all said and done to be on that next level below. But if nothing else, all it's done is solidified that if you want to be a big-time player in college football and you're not in the SEC and Big 10, tough shit. Pretty much. I mean, I was shocked like pretty much everybody else because geographically it makes no sense. Yep. Um, you know, and, and we're not even talking about the, the, the other sports, whether it's baseball or, you know, volleyball or cross country or whatever. But look at the L.A. schools, man. Look at those trips that they're going to have to make for any road game that they play, no matter what sport it is, which, I mean, it's just brutal during the season. Yeah. But once you get past that and you just get to the pure numbers, they're two uh, iconic colleges, man. Uh, even though UCLA ain't done nothing in football in a minute, uh, SC with Lincoln Riley – uh, I would fully expect them to be a top, you know, 10, 15 program. 
once again real soon, probably top 10 again real soon. And we add that to Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. And uh, don't forget Wisconsin, man. That, yeah. that gives you, um, you know, some really elite elite things, elite programs, elite competition. And, uh, dude, it, it got nastier in football. Uh, it's good for basketball, too. SC is kind of an underrated basketball program. They're always kind of in the tournament as a, some kind of seed. But, obviously, UCLA brings cachet when it comes to basketball. Yeah. The Big Ten is a really outstanding basketball league, uh, probably the second best behind the ACC. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting, Maybe the Big 12. It, yeah. it's, um, well, SEC has some good teams this year as well. So, I, I mean, it's it, college basketball. I don't know that I really like it. You don't like the move. I don't because, I mean, just – I mean, I understand it. It's a money play. But, you know, and this could be my old man thing. I can, I can, I can get with Oklahoma and Texas. Why can't I get with them? Because, now, this just has to make sense to me. I can get with Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC because, I mean, hell, A&M is in the SEC. Oklahoma borders Texas, and Texas borders Louisiana, and LSU is in the – all those states border each other. So it makes sense to me um, intellectually. There ain't nothing that makes sense about having two schools in L.A. and they got a hopscotch. I guess Iowa is probably like the closest game, bro. Yeah. Um, or I guess Nebraska would be. Uh, it just seems odd. But it's a huge money play, and, and you know, that's what college football is all about. And to be honest with you, those of us who played – college football on ea sports in 2014 if your team if you got good enough player and you got a good enough recruiting thing sometimes you would you would put those other teams in the conference just to make it more difficult because you were tired of winning all the time yeah and i mean at the end of the day as you mentioned at the beginning it's this is about money and the reality of it is the big 10 is about to renegotiate their television deals they are going to get more money per school and more money in their deal because they have the los angeles market because they have USC and UCLA. It's, that's what it is. The projections seven years out have the SEC and the Big Ten literally, this is not an exaggeration, making and paying each of their member schools twice what the other conferences will pay. And that was before this happened. So you look at now, that, that means that the SEC, like five to seven years from now, will be paying their schools about $110, 115000000 million per school, and the Big 12 will be paying right around 60. And what that means is what? It means if you're getting $115 million, you can have we're, – we're just going over the top. But you can have two charter jets, so you can do twice as much recruiting. You know, and your facilities can be twice as good. I mean, everything – because you just have the money to spend. And so you can make everything as good as it can. And so you end up kind of which – and I like it because my school is one of them. But another level I don't like. I mean, we go into this college football season, Matt. Who's got a real shot to win the national championship? Well, I mean, quite honestly, there's probably three teams for sure. Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. And if you want to throw Clemson in there, I won't argue with you. That's it. Those, one of those four teams will win the national title. Right. And I would swap out Clemson and put Notre Dame in there. Just because uh, they're, they're making a little noise. But anyway, there's three for sure. And we can argue over the fourth. Um, anything other than that, we would all be shocked. And so um, that ain't really good for the sport, is it? Long-term, no. And to be fair, look, this is why the NFL can exist with 32 teams because they designed it for parity 
where all these teams feel like their fan bases, you feel like you have a chance. Long-term right. college football, and that's why a lot of this writing that's on the wall right now, they want it to be, if you're going to play at this level, if you can get as many of these teams into two conferences, or even if it's three conferences, although, I mean, let's be honest, outside of Notre Dame, who's still out there on the table, now that USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten, I don't know that there's other, and people will, oh, Oregon. Oregon doesn't move the needle the way any of these programs do. Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, even in the ACC, they don't move the needle in terms of eyeballs that would be attracted to a television partner the way that Texas, Oklahoma, USC, or Notre Dame do. And if all four of them are in one of these two conferences with the schools that are already in there that exist, you really don't need the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, no, you make a good point. Um, and then, you know, I think the ACC still has some use. Uh, and plus, it's more of a basketball-driven conference. Clemson, I mean, you know, they set it up with the right intention with Clemson, Florida State, Miami, all being football powers. And, okay, Virginia Tech can stick its head in there every now and then. It'll be a really good football league. But then Florida State Miami didn't uphold their end of the bargain, and it just became Clemson and a bunch of nobodies. And that ain't good for that league. Yeah. I mean, what we're talking about right now, and I said this today, and I wouldn't be surprised. By the time we have another podcast – and obviously, you guys are listening to this on most of you on Wednesday, July 6th. By the time July 8th comes around and we do Friday, I have no idea that the Pac-12 will even exist anymore. And that's true. Really? USC and UCLA are gone. That conference has nothing. And the reports that came out today were that the, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington are deep into talks of those six schools joining the Big 12 and making an 18-team conference. If that happens, the Pac-12's done. Yeah, and that that actually makes sense because, again, I can get with the Arizona schools because they're fairly close to Texas. I can get with Colorado you know, and Utah because, again, you're fairly close to Texas, which is a conference base. And then you got your outliers yeah. with uh, Stanford and uh, you know the two Oregon schools in Washington and Washington State. Well, you, know, you just kind of put them in a division over there and you make it work like that. But at least you can make it work. And so, you know, I guess we'll be – but, again, you know, I wonder how that affects the playoff and all that. Well, the playoff is, is going, again, at the end of the current contract when it runs out in 2025, there is nothing else. They haven't set anything up. And so now if the SEC and the Big Ten want to, if they've got all the brands – I mean, they, they could go to whatever television thing and be like, hey, we're going to do our own playoff. It's just us. We've got a 32-team mega conference, basically, and we're the only ones they're going to be eligible for. Is that cool? Or, <laughs> or do we need to make sure? That's why, like, Clemson and Florida State and teams like that in the ACC are freaking out right now. They don't want to get it left behind. The problem is the ACC has a television contract that runs through 2036, Woo! which makes it very difficult. They screwed themselves, man. I mean, the ACC, those schools are going to get a fraction of what Big Ten and SEC schools are going to get as this thing continues to go down. And there's no way they can renegotiate it. Now, if Notre Dame wanted to join the ACC, maybe. But if you're Notre Dame, why would you look at that and be like, oh, that's the conference I want. They'll join the Big Ten. I mean, this is for sure what's going to happen is I think that at best you're going to have four conferences. I I think the Pac-12 is probably done. It sounds like it. Wow. And, And I don't know how they salvage it. Because if you're any of these other schools and another conference calls you, you got to leave. You have to get away from them. 
Why would you stay? What can the Pac-12 do unless they start doing it to where there's some sort of different level revenue sharing where you say, okay, Oregon, Washington, if you guys will stay, you guys can make more money than the rest of us. You can make more money than Oregon State and Washington State, whatever the case may be. Yeah, but I don't know who who wants to roll like that. Right, and and if you're those other schools and you're sitting there going, hey, we can get into a a conference that'll pay us more, or we can stay in the Pac-12, because honestly... The Pac-12, whose TV contract is up at the end of 2023. So, like, what network is looking at, without USC and UCLA, you don't have the Los Angeles market. What network is looking at the leftover schools going, man, can't wait to make sure we pay those a a big number? (laughs) Nobody. I mean, this is, it's crazy to think, but, uh, I mean, the Pac-12, in some semblance, has been around since 1915. And it may Hmm. be done. We'll see. We'll see. But I don't know how they all, I don't know how all the conferences survive this because there's too much jockeying for people trying to move in position to, to get where they want to be and all that. No, you're right. I don't, I don't see how the Pac 12 survives because they don't have any, yeah, they don't have any properties that anybody wants. Yeah, man. They're I mean, gone now, or the two biggest ones have gone. Yep, you're exactly right. And so now these other schools, well, hey, Pac 12 says, let's wait and see. We can save this and, and let's stick together. And they'll all say that publicly while privately they're going, oh, my God, if somebody calls, take it. We, we, we got to go to that conference. Yeah. So we'll see, man. But this is a, I mean, this it's is fascinating. Bombshell. It is. Bombshell, fascinating. Really, to me, it feels like what, they're, what we wind up with, and maybe it takes a couple of years to navigate through all this, it feels like that's what college football is going to be for, like, the next couple of generations. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm still, I'm like, Damn. I don't like, but maybe it doesn't matter all that much. Well, I don't know. You're an Ohio State guy, so you should be okay. Well, yeah, that's what. But you know, I mean, a lot of people say I have an ego, but I try to not make it all about me all the time, bro. (laughs) Well, sometimes that's good. I would like the rest of college football to thrive as well. Yeah, and and that's that's I think that the waters they have to navigate. Is there enough out there where you could do something that's more modeled like the NFL, or do you need a hundred different teams at the high level? Like there is See, right I don't now. Think, I don't think you can model it after the NFL because of the parity thing. Everything in the NFL is designed for parity. I mean, right. you're not going to be able to tell colleges, oh, you can only recruit, you know, two five stars. I mean, it's just like. Or, Maybe not, know. but with the money and whatnot, I mean, if you had less teams. It'd be easier. You could, you uh, again, it'd be a lot easier, even if it's, say, 36, 40 teams, to implement a set of rules that everybody in those two conferences follows, and you've got one czar of those two conferences versus, hey, there's. I, mean, I guess you could. I think, I think the way you create parity is probably through, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, like money you can spend on a program. Yeah, and, and, like and maybe salary cap right, on yeah. players. It's more like, okay, everybody can spend. I mean, it's like a fancy football thing. Okay, everybody can spend a hundred million dollars on their football program. You know how you choose to divvy that hundred million dollars up, or whatever the number is, is up to you. Yeah, you know, or you could go deeper. Everybody's got a hundred million dollars to spend on a program. You can spend twenty on recruiting, twenty on facilities. You know, twenty on players. You know, you could do it that way. Or something like that. Yeah. I mean, we'll if see. If you wanted to create parity. 
There's a lot, man. There, there is a lot. I think everything's on the table, and, and I'll be very curious to see what the structure looks like when we emerge from everything that's going on. And I mean, there's a lot up in the air of these next couple of weeks. Fascinating. So the other thing to get into here is the Dallas Mavericks, NBA free agency. We kind of knew that this was going to happen. It became more and more obvious when we were last recording our podcast. Jalen Brunson is a New York Nick. And so much so that it sounds like the NFL or the NFL, the NBA has looked at this and goes, yeah, the Knicks tampered. And nobody cared. Oh, guess who tweeted me who cares? Des Bryant cares, apparently. <laughs> Des is pissed that the Knicks got Jalen Brunson and that as soon as the clock struck midnight, basically the deal was on the table and totally guaranteed. And the Mavs, that's the weird thing, is the Mavs never got a chance to talk to him. He, he was just done. He wanted to go to New York and didn't care about anything Dallas had. No, but, I mean, come on, dog. Uh, they had all year to talk to him. They had no, plenty of chances. They had plenty of chances to talk to him. He ain't hard to find. His agent ain't hard to find. Um, now, with all the things set up, you know, with the agent being the son of the Knicks president and all his relationships with the Knicks and stuff, that's yeah. that's hard to overcome. But I'm just not for the whining, dog, man. As I told Dez, and, you know, dads can get hot and heated. And so I was trying to de-escalate as opposed to escalate. So I changed a little bit of my verbiage so it wouldn't be so raw. But the bottom line is, man, everybody knows this is how it gets done in professional sports. Yeah. So don't sit here and tell me, oh, they, they talked and we never got a chance. Doug, you knew how to get in touch with his agents. You knew how to tell him, hey, Jalen, this is what we're looking at. And the bottom line is I don't know if they were going to spend all that money anyway to get him because, again, we keep talking about he's an outstanding player. But, you know, does anybody think he's Luka? I mean, does anybody think he's a top 15 NBA player? And so sometimes this happens where a guy plays so well, the numbers go crazy, and you're great if you sign him. Yeah. But if you don't sign him, I can't sit here and bitch that you didn't want to pay him $27 million a year, even though I said after one of those series, paying whatever he's worth. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sucks to lose Brunson. It does. There's no other way around that. Right. The Mavs now. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say it doesn't suck, but I'm just more like, yeah, well, he's I, gone. I, I, yeah, I'm kind of like that too. And, I, and I'm very curious to see if he will be able to do what the Knicks and what he hopes he can do uh, being the guy in New York. We'll find out. I, I'm not convinced that he can, but we shall see. Good for him getting the shot. The right. thing now with the Mavs is the Christian Wood thing, obviously, the trade that came before the draft was their big move of the offseason. You're not going to be able to do another move like that. But they did go out, and they re-signed Theo Pinson, and they made a move in free agency, and they signed JaVale McGee, three years, $20 million. Of course, McGee, who has spent the last season, I mean, he's been, the dude's been everywhere. Last season, he was the backup to DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix. We saw him in the playoffs. We got a little flavor of what that was like. He spent the year before that with Cleveland and Denver, the two years before that with the, the Lakers, the two years before that with the Warriors. I got to be honest with you, man. Do you have any recollection of him whatsoever as a Dallas Maverick? JaVale McGee? Yes. Yeah. I do not remember him at all as a Mav. <laughs> I remember. I mean, I can't give you any highlights, but I remember him playing. He only played 34 I, games. I don't know why I remember him. 
Well, you know what? I, re- I remember him because, okay, don't judge me, man. You know, I was a sports nerd as a kid. And, yes, I used to listen to the radio broadcast on a regular basis. Okay. Of the, da- of the Dallas Diamonds featuring Nancy Lieberman and the McGee sisters from USC, one of whom is his mother. Wow. So, no, that's real talk, bro. So, JaVale McGee just kind of resonates with me because I, I associate that with his mom playing with the Dallas Diamonds back in the probably like 1980, 81, 82, something like that. God, man. Okay. <laughs> You're like, that's a very strange man right there. No, I, I, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever heard of the Dallas Diamonds. Is that right? Yeah. Seriously. No, I mean, I was just a sports. You got to remember, man. Think about this. And it's a good conversation as I think about it. When I moved to Dallas in 1976, all we had was the Dallas Cowboys and the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm a sports fan. I'm a kid who is obsessed with sports. I want to play them. I got an electric football set that I play with nonstop every day. I've got 28 of the 32 teams. You know, I'm like a, I'm like a czar in terms of, of how many teams I had and stuff. Yeah. And so when the Dallas Mavericks showed up in 1980, I think it's the greatest thing ever because why? I grew up with the Buffalo Braves, Randy Smith and Bob McAdoo and all those guys. Wow. So I think, I think basketball is great here. But I'm a sports nut. So they get a women's basketball team. And they got the best women's player in, in the game in Lancey Lieberman. And they got these two McGee sisters who helped win the national championship at USC. I'm just looking for winners, baby. I'm all in. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? Fair enough. I, th- I totally understand that. And now that Nancy Lieberman is one of my friends, it's, uh, it's like the wildest thing ever. God, man, I bet. That is, that is a roundabout I mean, that's my, wilderness. That is my girl. So Crazy. You know, okay. It's crazy, though, bro. It so, is. back to JaVale McGee. That's why I remember Javale McGee. Yeah, because I, I didn't. I mean, again, he was only here for 34 games in the 2015-2016 season. That was it. I mean, this is a dude who has been sporadic as hell in his NBA career. Obviously, early on, he had some seasons where he was solid. He had one season, you know, with the Lakers recently where he was okay. But you're talking about a dude who, at this point in his career, is going to give you maybe 15 minutes a game. Right. Last year, those 15 minutes, again, as a backup coming in for Aiton, nine and seven. And if he can give you nine and seven as a Mav, you take it. Christian Wood is a dude who should be able to give you a double-double and up your rebounding. JaVale McGee, if nothing else, is a guy who should be able to rebound the basketball for you. He's also 34 years old. He's been in the league forever. I mean, I saw the contract and I was like, man, really? Seven million a year for that dude, but it's the NBA. I mean, contracts are insane. So yeah, it's, uh, we'll see. No, contracts are insane, and he fills a specific role. You know, he's he's still got hops. He's he's still a good athlete, and so he's a he's a he's a uh, dunker. He's a true rim protector for when he plays, and he's a rebounder. Yeah, and he can, like you said, I mean, he can dunk, he can protect the rim, and he can rebound, and and it, that's what they needed. But, again, that's what you're rolling with now, and you lose Brunson. And, you know, you see the, that weird-ass rumor out there that Kyrie Irving, that, and it's not a rumor, I mean, Dallas is on the short list of teams that he'd want to go to. I would be horrified if Kyrie, I can't stand that dude. 
I what want nothing like to do with Kyrie Irving. What don't you like about Kyrie? I don't feel like he puts the team first, and he's a flat earther. Okay, like I mean, my, you know, you know, this whole flat earther thing is just kind of weird. But uh, I would sum up Kyrie by saying I don't want somebody who's unreliable. And yeah, and I think that's probably what it is. Is is I think he's all about himself, and he does his own thing. And it doesn't matter how it affects the team or what's good for the team. And, and guys like that, I'm just not a fan of. No, no. But it, it's yeah. interesting how. I, I, I'm not going to. I wouldn't want him in Dallas. No, I don't want him in Dallas. And I don't know how. Like they did, I saw something today that said just to make it work from a money standpoint, if you keep the guys you actually want with the Mavs, you'd be trading the whole rest of the team. And it's not worth it to me for that dude. You know, Kevin Durant, sure. It'd be, a, what a pipe dream of amazement that would be if he could come here and play with Luka. There's no way that's happening. You nope. know, it looks like KD wants to go to Phoenix. So kick ass. Just something else you got to deal with in the West. But I, I mean, the NBA, more so maybe than any other league, we saw it with the Heat when they got together originally and Dirk took them down. And we saw it with these Nets. It was Irving and Durant. They were going to win multiple titles. They were there for three years, and they didn't do – I mean, they did nothing. They didn't even get to the finals. But, you know, they didn't – it's not NBA 2K, man. Oh, true. And, and Durant was hurt, and Irving was hurt, and there's injuries and all that. And I get it. I'm just saying. I, KD, I would be colossally interested in. And, and Kyrie Irving, I'm, I'm just – I'm good, man. I'm, I'm out on that dude. <laughs> I'm not far behind you, bro. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's the NBA to me is still the one league. And you see this in baseball sometimes, but you see it in the NBA more so than anywhere else where guys get contracts that are so ridiculous. And it, it's, it's not even because they've done anything. It's, well, man, what if one day you do this because we saw you flash it in a game once? You know, Jalen Brunson contract might be somewhat like that. But I got to tell you, dude, the one that really jumps out, and I guess you had to do it. Yeah. But that Zion Williamson contract. Bro. I, I mean. Has like, he really earned that? He got a five-year, $231 million contract. He didn't play at all last year. He's played in 85 games in his NBA career. 85 games in three years. And that got him $231 million? How was he even eligible already? I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. Like, how come, because of, of having to miss that much time and only playing in 85 games, and apparently, like, no. if he makes the All-NBA team next year, then it kicks in and guarantees the Supermax. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, NBA got a lot of rules and regulations. Uh, that, just, that just stunned me because he hadn't played that much. He's been really good when he played. Uh, and maybe New Orleans had to do that because... If you listen to the streets, for whatever that's worth, you know, there's been all these rumblings that he he wants nothing to do with, with New Orleans. He wants out as soon as possible. Wow. And so you're trying to appease him with money and money whip him so that he'll stay around long enough for you to put a team around him so that you hope that he'll stay. Yeah. And maybe that's what it is. It, it very well could be. But, man, that was one of those contracts that jumped out. And, and there was some other moves like Rudy Gobert getting traded to Minnesota and you just kind of wonder, I mean, are the Timberwolves ever going to be anything ever? You know, and uh, I, look, I don't pay attention to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm, I, I don't even. They, sh they should not, man, because they can move Carl Anthony Thomas to power forward. Rudy can play real center, and they got Anthony Edwards. 
And so whatever they want. Oh, yeah, I forgot they had Edwards. He can ball. Don't forget they got D'Angelo Russell, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, so maybe got, maybe here come the Timberwolves. No, they, they they got a better roster than the Mavericks to me now. Yeah, Minnesota made the playoffs So much year. of it is style of play. Yeah. Man, that's one of those franchises that sometimes, like, if you had to say the, the most forgettable sports franchises in all of sports, they might be on that list. Yeah. No I mean, doubt. you know, they, they haven't done, they have won two playoff series in their entire history, and they haven't won a playoff series since 2004. Ooh, that's a long time. I mean, bro. think about that. That's all, in 20 years. I mean, they've been a, they've been a franchise. They were 1988-9 when they was their first season. They have won two playoff series since 1989. Wow. Think about that. I don't want to. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's Minnesota. It's the Timberwolves. I mean, they're trash. They've always been trash. All right, before we go, I, I was going to wrap it up, and then I saw this note, and I just want to throw it out because I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. Because I don't know what to think about this guy. And Joey Chestnut, who at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest over the weekend, he won his 15th hot dog eating contest, his eighth in a row, he ate 62 hot dogs, which was his lowest since, like, 2015. And he still beat the guy in second place by 15 hot dogs. And I don't know what, like, there's something to what he does where he's the greatest hot dog eater of all time. But I don't know how I categorize it or how I weight that. I just think it's dumb. It is <laughs> dumb, but it's... You're, you know, see, the thing of it to me is they train. Like, he trains for this. He takes it very seriously. You know, he does things to his body to, to make sure, you know, as he, like, if you ever saw the 30 for 30 with him and Kobayashi, I mean, he does specific weight regiments and stuff so that he can be at his peak when he's doing this. And I was like, I mean, you're training for it. You put time into it. It's a competition of some sort in which you can win a lot of money, and he is dominant. Yeah, no, I mean, he's good at it. He's great at it. I just think it's dumb. Uh, yeah, man. You know, I don't, I don't get in my soapbox about starving kids. Yeah, no, I mean, there's that. <laughs> but once you get past that point of it, you know. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, at, at, the, at the core of I'll what I'll tell it you is. what it is, man. I chalk it down as the essence of America. Oh, well, there's mean, a lot of talk about hey, well, America is the greatest uh, um country of the world blah 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 what you're doing is you're saying a guy like joey chestnut who's made hundreds of thousands maybe millions because he can eat a ridiculous amount of hot dogs faster than anybody else in the world or the country that's the essence of america yeah i mean you're right but it's, it's just one of those things when i was thinking about it, i was like man i don't know where I put this guy or what I think it, it like athletically or any of that. All I know is that in this weird thing, he is like the best dominant, like no one's even close to him, you know? Cause to no, me, like no. this seems like something stupid, like, Hey, what do you want to like, who, who do you think could eat more hot dogs? Like, oh, and you and your friends get together and you're like, I can't believe you ate four. <laughs> and this dude's just plowing through them in 10 minutes. It's, it's, I don't know what to make of. I really don't. I, it's, it's like I, if you wanted to tell me he's one of the greats, I'd be like, you know what? I guess I can see that. And if you want to be like, it's the dumbest thing, I, it's fake. I'd be like, I can see that too. <laughs> it's a weird thing with the hot dog eating contest. But Joey Chestnut, man, I mean, he's been doing it since he was 22 years old. 15 out of 16, he's won. And I mean, he, it's just not even close. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Nah, man, he's, 
Dude, it's a talent. I it was is just a, a fat guy, but I could eat a lot of hot dogs. No, and I, I guess that's what it is, is that every time I see it, it feels like I'm watching a talent contest at a high school, and yet this guy is like, the, <laughs> it, it, there's no one on earth that can do what he does. Like I said, man, we should all have a talent like that. Amazing. And that, my friends, <laughs> is the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again. Got another new episode coming your way. It'll drop on Friday on July 8th. So be looking forward to that. We appreciate you and we will talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.